Section nine of South Sea Tales by Jack London. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Inevitable White Man. The black will never understand the white, nor the white the black, as long as black is black and white is white. So said Captain Woodward. We sat in the parlor of Charlie Roberts's pub in Apia drinking long abu hamids compounded and shared with us by the aforesaid charlie roberts who claimed the recipe direct from stevens famous for having invented the abu hamid at a time when he was spurred on by nile thirst the stevens who was responsible for with kitchener to khartoum and who passed out at the siege of ladysmith captain woodward short and squat elderly burned by forty years of tropic sun and with the most beautiful liquid brown eyes i ever saw in a man spoke from vast experience the criss-cross of scars on his bald pate bespoke a tomahawk intimacy with the black and of equal intimacy was the advertisement front and rear on the right side of his neck where an arrow had at one time entered and been pulled clean through as he explained he had been in a hurry on that occasion the arrow impeding his running and he felt that he could not take the time to break off the head and pull out the shaft the way it had come in at the present moment he was commander of the save the big steamer that recruited labor from the westward for the german plantations on samoa half the trouble is the stupidity of the whites said roberts pausing to take a swig from his glass and to curse the samoan barboy in affectionate terms if the white man would lay himself out a bit to understand the workings of the black man's mind most of the messes would be avoided i've seen a few who claimed they understood niggers captain woodward retorted and i always took notice that they were the first to be kaikaid which means eaten look at the missionaries in new guinea and the new hebrides the martyr isle of aramanga and all the rest look at the austrian expedition that was cut to pieces in the solomons in the bush of guadalcanar and look at the traders themselves with a score of years experience making their brag that no nigger would ever get them and whose heads to this day are ornamenting the rafters of the canoe houses there was old johnny simons twenty-six years on the raw edges of melanesia swore he knew the niggers like a book and that they'd never do for him and he passed out at Maravo lagoon new georgia had his head sawed off by a black mary which means woman and an old nigger with only one leg having left the other leg in the mouth of a shark while diving for dynamited fish there was billy watts horrible reputation as a nigger killer a man to scare the devil i remember lying at cape little new ireland you know when the nigger stole half a case of trade tobacco cost him about three dollars and a half in retaliation he turned out shot six niggers 
smashed up their war canoes and burned two villages and it was at cape little four years afterward that he was jumped along with fifty buku boys he had with him fishing beshtemir in five minutes they were all dead with the exception of three boys who got away in a canoe don't talk to me about understanding the nigger the white man's mission is to farm the world and it's a big enough job cut out for him what time has he got left to understand niggers anyway just so said roberts and somehow it doesn't seem necessary after all to understand the niggers in direct proportion to the white man's stupidity is his success in farming the world and putting the fear of god into the nigger's heart captain woodward blurted out perhaps you're right roberts perhaps it's his stupidity that makes him succeed and surely one phase of his stupidity is his inability to understand the niggers but there's one thing sure the white has to run the niggers whether he understands them or not it's inevitable it's fate and of course the white man is inevitable it's the niggers fate roberts broke in tell the white man there's pearl shell in some lagoon infested by ten thousand howling cannibals and he'll head there all by his lonely with half a dozen canica divers and a tin alarm clock for chronometer all packed like sardines on a commodious five-ton catch whisper that there's a gold strike at the north pole and that same inevitable white-skinned creature will set out at once armed with pick and shovel a side of bacon and the latest patent rocker and what's more he'll get there tip it off to him that there's diamonds on the red heart ramparts of hell and mr white man will storm the ramparts and set old satan himself to pick and shovel work that's what becomes of being stupid and inevitable but i wonder what the black man must think of the the inevitableness i said captain woodward broke into quiet laughter his eyes had a reminiscent gleam i'm just wondering what the niggers of maloo thought and still must be thinking of the one inevitable white man we had on board when we visited them in the duchess he explained roberts mixed three more abu hamids that was twenty years ago saxtorf was his name he was certainly the most stupid man i ever saw but he was as inevitable as death there was only one thing that chap could do and that was shoot i remember the first time i ran into him right here in appia twenty years ago that was before your time roberts i was sleeping at dutch henry's hotel down where the market is now ever heard of him he made a tidy stake smuggling arms into the rebels sold out his hotel and was killed in sydney just six weeks afterward in a saloon row but saxtorf one night i'd just got to sleep when a couple of cats began to sing in the courtyard it was out of bed and up window water jug in hand but just then i heard the window of the next room go up two shots were fired and the window was closed i fail to impress you with the celerity of the transaction ten seconds on the outside 
up went the window bang bang went the revolver and down went the window whoever it was he had never stopped to see the effect of his shots he knew do you follow me he knew there was no more cat concert and in the morning there lay the two offenders stone dead it was marvellous to me it still is marvellous first it was starlight and saxtorf shot without drawing a bead next he shot so rapidly that the two reports were like a double report and finally he knew he had hit his marks without looking to see two days afterward he came on board to see me i was mate then on the duchess a whacking big one hundred and fifty ton schooner a blackbirder and let me tell you that blackbirders were blackbirders in those days there weren't any government protection for us either it was rough work give and take if we were finished and nothing said and we ran niggers from every south sea island they didn't kick us off from well saxtorf came on board john saxtorf was the name he gave he was a sandy little man hair sandy complexion sandy and eyes sandy too nothing striking about him his soul was as neutral as his color scheme he said he was strapped and wanted to ship on board would go cabin boy cook supercargo or common sailor didn't know anything about any of the billets but said that he was willing to learn i didn't want him but his shooting had so impressed me that i took him as common sailor wages three pounds per month he was willing to learn all right i'll say that much but he was constitutionally unable to learn anything he could no more box the compass than i could mix drinks like roberts here and as for steering he gave me my first gray hairs i never dared risk him at the wheel when we were running in a big sea while full and by and close and by were insoluble mysteries couldn't ever tell the difference between a sheet and a tackle simply couldn't the fore-throat jig and the jib-jig were all one to him tell him to slack off the main sheet and before you know it he dropped the peak he fell overboard three times and he couldn't swim but he was always cheerful never seasick and he was the most willing man i ever knew he was an uncommunicative soul never talked about himself his history so far as we were concerned began the day he signed on the duchess where he learned to shoot the stars alone can tell he was a yankee that much we knew from the twang in his speech and that was all we ever did know and now we begin to get to the point we had bad luck in the new hebrides only fourteen boys for five weeks and we ran up before the southeast for the solomons malata then as now was good recruiting ground and we ran into malu in the northwestern corner there's a shore reef and an outer reef and a mighty nervous anchorage but we made it all right and fired off our dynamite as a signal to the niggers to come down and be recruited in three days we got not a boy the niggers came off to us in their canoes by hundreds 
but they only laughed when we showed them beads and calico and hatchets and talked of the delights of plantation work in samoa on the fourth day there came a change fifty-odd boys signed on and were billeted in the main hold with the freedom of the deck of course and of course looking back this wholesale signing on was suspicious but at the time we thought some powerful chief had removed the ban against recruiting the morning of the fifth day our two boats went ashore as usual one to cover the other you know in case of trouble and as usual the fifty niggers on board were on deck loafing talking smoking and sleeping saxtorf and myself along with four other sailors were all that were left on board the two boats were manned with gilbert islanders in the one were the captain the supercargo and the recruiter in the other which was the covering boat and which lay offshore a hundred yards was the second mate both boats were well armed though trouble was little expected four of the sailors including saxtorf were scraping the poop rail the fifth sailor rifle in hand was standing guard by the water tank just forward of the main mast i was forward putting in the finishing licks on a new jaw for the foregaff i was just reaching for my pipe where i had laid it down when i heard a shot from shore i straightened up to look something struck me on the back of the head partially stunning me and knocking me to the deck my first thought was that something had carried away aloft but even as i went down and before i struck the deck i heard the devil's own tattoo of rifles from the boats and twisting sideways i caught a glimpse of the sailor who was standing guard two big niggers were holding his arms and a third nigger from behind was braining him with a tomahawk i can see it now the water tank the mainmast the gang hanging on to him the hatchet descending on the back of his head and all under the blazing sunlight i was fascinated by that growing vision of death the tomahawk seemed to take a horribly long time to come down i saw it land and the man's legs give under him as he crumpled the niggers held him up by sheer strength while he was hacked a couple of times more then i got two more hacks on the head and decided that i was dead so did the brute that was hacking me i was too helpless to move and i lay there and watched them removing the sentry's head i must say they did it slick enough they were old hands at the business the rifle firing from the boats had ceased and i made no doubt that they were finished off and that the end had come to everything it was only a matter of moments when they would return for my head they were evidently taking the heads from the sailors aft heads are valuable on malaita especially white heads they have the place of honor in the canoe houses of the saltwater natives what particular decorative effect the bushmen get out of them i don't know but they prized them just as much as the saltwater crowd i had a dim notion of escaping and i crawled on hands and knees to the winch where i managed to drag myself to my feet from there i could look aft and see three heads on top of the cabin 
the heads of three sailors i had given orders to for months the nigger saw me standing and started for me i reached for my revolver and found they had taken it i can't say that i was scared i've been near to death several times but it never seemed easier than right then i was half stunned and nothing seemed to matter the leading nigger had armed himself with a cleaver from the galley and he grimaced like an ape as he prepared to slice me down but the slice was never made he went down on the deck all of a heap and i saw the blood gush from his mouth in a dim way i heard a rifle go off and continue to go off nigger after nigger went down my senses began to clear and i noted that there was never a miss every time that the rifle went off a nigger dropped i sat down on deck beside the winch and looked up perched in the cross trees was saxtorf how he had managed it i can't imagine for he had carried up with him two winchesters and i don't know how many bandoliers of ammunition and he was now doing the one only thing in this world that he was fitted to do i've seen shooting and slaughter but i never saw anything like that i sat by the winch and watched the show i was weak and faint and it seemed to be all a dream bang 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 went his rifle and thud 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 went the niggers to the deck it was amazing to see them go down after their first rush to get me when about a dozen had dropped they seemed paralyzed but he never left off pumping his gun by this time canoes and the two boats arrived from shore armed with snyders and with winchesters which they had captured in the boats the fusillade they let loose on saxtorf was tremendous luckily for him the niggers are only good at close range they are not used to putting the gun to their shoulders they wait until they are right on top of a man and then they shoot from the hip when his rifle got too hot saxtorf changed off that had been his idea when he carried two rifles up with him the astounding thing was the rapidity of his fire also he never made a miss if ever anything was inevitable that man was it was the swiftness of it that made the slaughter so appalling the niggers did not have time to think when they did manage to think they went over the side in a rush capsizing the canoes of course saxtorf never let up the water was covered with them and plump 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 he dropped his bullets into them not a single miss and i could hear distinctly the thud of every bullet as it buried in human flesh the nigger spread out and headed for the shore swimming the water was carpeted with bobbing heads and i stood up as in a dream and watched it all the bobbing heads and the heads that ceased to bob some of the long shots were magnificent only one man reached the beach but as he stood up to wade ashore saxtorf got him it was beautiful and when a couple of niggers ran down to drag him out of the water saxtorf got them too i thought everything was over then when i heard the rifle go off again a nigger had come out of the cabin companion 
on the run for the rail and gone down in the middle of it the cabin must have been full of them i counted twenty they came up one at a time and jumped for the rail but they never got there it reminded me of trap shooting a black body would pop out of the companion bang would go saxtor's rifle and down would go the black body of course those below did not know what was happening on deck so they continued to pop out until the last one was finished off saxtorf waited a while to make sure and then came down on deck he and i were all that were left of the duchess's compliment and i was pretty well to the bad while he was helpless now that the shooting was over under my direction he washed out my scalp wounds and sewed them up a big drink of whiskey braced me to make an effort to get out there was nothing else to do all the rest were dead we tried to get up sail saxtorf hoisting and i holding the turn he was once more the stupid lubber he couldn't hoist worth a cent and when i fell in a faint it looked all up with us when i came to saxtorf was sitting helplessly on the rail waiting to ask me what he should do i told him to overhaul the wounded and see if there were any able to crawl he gathered together six one i remember had a broken leg but saxtorf said his arms were all right i lay in the shade brushing the flies off and directing operations while saxtorf bossed his hospital gang i'll be blessed if he didn't make those poor niggers heave at every rope on the pin rails before he found the halyards one of them let go the rope in the midst of the hoisting and slipped down to the deck dead but saxtorf hammered the others and made them stick by the job when the fore and main were up i told him to knock the shackle out of the anchor chain and let her go i had had myself helped aft to the wheel where i was going to make a shift at steering i can't guess how he did it but instead of knocking the shackle out down went the second anchor and there we were doubly moored in the end he managed to knock both shackles out and raise the staysail and jib and the duchess filled away for the entrance our decks were a spectacle dead and dying niggers were everywhere they were wedged away some of them in the most inconceivable places the cabin was full of them where they had crawled off the deck and cashed in i put saxtorf and his graveyard gang to work heaving them overside and over they went the living and the dead the sharks had fat pickings that day of course our four murdered sailors went the same way their heads however we put in a sack with weights so that by no chance should they drift on the beach and fall into the hands of the niggers our five prisoners i decided to use as a crew but they decided otherwise they watched their opportunity and went over the side saxtorf got two in mid-air with his revolver and would have shot the other three in the water if i hadn't stopped him i was sick of the slaughter you see and besides they'd helped work the schooner out but it was mercy thrown away for the sharks got the three of them i had brain fever or something after we got clear of the land anyway the duchess lay hove to for three weeks 
when I pulled myself together and we jogged on with her to Sydney. Anyway, those niggers of Malou learned the everlasting lesson that it is not good to monkey with a white man. In their case, Saxtorp was certainly inevitable. Charlie Roberts emitted a long whistle and said, Well, I should say so. But whatever became of Saxtorp? He drifted into seal hunting and became a crackerjack. For six years he was high line of both the Victoria and San Francisco fleets. The seventh year his schooner was seized in Bering Sea by a Russian cruiser, and all hands, so the talk went, were slammed into the Siberian salt mines. At least I've never heard of him since. Farming the world, Roberts muttered farming the world well here's to them somebody's got to do it farm the world i mean captain woodward rubbed the crisscrosses on his bald head i've done my share of it he said forty years now this will be my last trip then i'm going home to stay i'll wager the wine you don't roberts challenged you'll die in the harness not at home captain woodward promptly accepted the bet but personally i think charlie roberts has the best of it end of the inevitable white man